This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Philip Gilfus, sitting in the center chair this week. Standing right behind me at the tactical station is my co-host, Security Chief Daniel Prue. Daniel, weren't you just giving a valuable life lesson speech to one of our young ensigns a moment ago? See, Philip, uh, drugs are bad, okay, and uh, you shouldn't do drugs. So, uh, yeah, just just remember that. I've already forgotten. Okay, all right, and I'm also joined by my other co-host, Transporter Chief Darren Moser. Uh, Darren, uh, I believe you're escorting your daughter to Classroom 47 today. What will she be doing there? Oh, well, they just got this brand new computer system, and she really likes fish, so I think it's going to be right up her alley. Uh, she she really likes just asking it questions and drawing pictures, so I, I, think, uh, I think it's going to be a good upgrade. It's a... Uh, it's some um, classroom, you know, version uh, uh, 3.0. All right, I'm sure you're you're her number one dad. And um, here in Earl Grey, we're we're doing something special, special topic, which means we also have a special guest. And we have a guest with us. Yes, you you may know her as First Time Trekker, which is her Twitter handle. But since we're lazy, we're going to call her by her given name, and that is uh, Andy Vanderkolk. Andy, welcome with us today here on Earl Grey. Thanks so much. Yeah, and the reason we have Andy on is because she's going to provide a perspective that Darren, Daniel, and I are incapable of doing for this topic today. Because today's topic is, is TNG a children's show? Now, for those of you who have listened to Earl Grey, you know Darren, Daniel, and I have started watching which, here, let's do it by age. I think I was maybe nine or ten. Daniel, how old were you when you started watching TNG? God, um, I mean, all all my life, I can remember. As far back as I could possibly remember, I've been watching it, so. Okay, so all all fourteen years. Okay, and Darren, how old were you when when you first started watching TNG? Oh gosh, that would have been um, ten, maybe something. I was I was, like, I was young. Yes. Now, Andy, when did you start watching TNG? Uh, a year ago. Exactly. Last July. <laughs> so I was twenty-eight. <laughs> yes, and so I mean, I think the perspective here is. You know, if I pose the question, is TNG a children's show, maybe someone's first reaction is, well, of course not. Yet, the th- entire members of Earl Grey watched it only as children. And so, uh, we're glad to have Andy here to, to provide the adult perspective. Um, and so, <laughs> so, the, uh, yeah, when we're going to do an after hour adult perspective, too. It's not going to be recorded. Um, but anyway, so the, Riker the, the hour. first thing I, I, I just wanted to, to talk to, at least to the, the, to, to, uh, the, the boys here. Um, and Darren, I'm going to start with you first. And the question is this, you know, obviously we've all done our rewatch of TNG. Do you feel like you watch it differently now as an adult than you did as a kid? Well, I think, I mean, definitely just in a physical sense that I'm usually watching it off of Netflix or I'm queuing it up like right away. Like, you know, it used to be, oh, 
it's five o'clock uh, on, you know, for it's time for reruns. Like that's when it was when I was younger. Like that's how I watched it. It wasn't a choice. It was, I need to go sit down and watch this because I can't watch it any other time. You know, DVDs and VHSs were slow coming or ridiculously expensive. So in that regard, yes. But, and I think the intent of your question you know, yeah, it, it's much more of a of a surgical watch of like, oh, I'm going to watch this episode because I feel like this, you know, right now. Not just, oh, hey, let's pop something on. You know, just the other day I watched Cause and Effect uh, with my daughter and she she loved uh, Data every time he showed up on the screen. She's like, Data. And- wait, wait, wait. Did you just show her that just so you could show her Kelsey Grammer as the captain, and then later that night, read to her Ship of the Line. Is that what happened, Darren? No, I, Darren? I'm not reading Ship of the Line <laughs> to my two-year-old daughter. I was going to ask that, too. It's like, you have, like, my first Ship of the Line or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's a board book. It's it's very popular. You you turn it, and it's, you know, and the Enterprise explodes, and then you turn the page again, and the Enterprise explodes. And Well, that's not traumatizing. <laughs> no. no, no, not at all. Remember well, Data, who you liked so much? He's gone. Now. He's dead now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, GG. I'd hate for anyone to have to. Anyway, moving on. Um, uh, uh, Daniel, what about you? Same question. I mean, you know, now in your ripe old age of you know seven years past when you first started watching, um, do you feel like you watch it differently? I, I yeah. I mean, it's a that's a that's a really broad question. I feel like, but I mean. Besides the format, like Darren had mentioned, I do watch it much more uh, intently. I pay much more attention to what's going on. And, you know, if I watched it when I was a kid and Alexander came on screen, I would probably go play with my Ninja Turtles or something for a little while (laughs) Uh, or for the whole episode, frankly. Uh, But, you know, now, you know, I'll sit there and I'll try to pay attention much more to the themes. And, you know, you know, when you're a kid, everything's bright and colorful and interesting and fun and but but when you're an adult, you're actually paying attention to what's happening in the story, and, and at least that's that's how I view it. So I, I I just watch it more intently, I guess is what I would say. Okay, now now Andy I, and people may or may not know sort of the backstory of of your your Twitter handle and and what you're doing. So can you kind of briefly describe kind of the what you've been doing with the first time Trekker handle, and of course what series you decide to watch first. Well, uh. So basically, I live tweet Star Trek, and I have never seen it before. So, and actually, I know very little about Star Trek, or I knew very little about Star Trek. So there was a sense of freshness, I guess. People enjoyed watching it new through my eyes. So when things would happen, they would be excited to see me freak out, this sort of thing. Um, and I just think it's it's kind of an interesting new take on it because I have such a different perspective on it and people seem to respond to it. I did decide to watch Next Generation first. Um, I don't really know why I decided to do that except for I think I was excited to see Wesley Crusher wear awesome sweaters, um, <laughs> which was about the only thing I knew about Next Generation was that Wesley Crusher wore terrible sweaters and uh, the guy from Reading Rainbow... War had laser eyes. So that was the only two things that I knew about <laughs> Next Generation. And so I, I kind of started it totally fresh and, and watched it probably within a year. It only so, took me a couple months. So one of the only two things you knew about Next Generation was completely wrong. Jordy LaForge <laughs> is not Cyclops. He cannot shoot laser beams <laughs> out of his eyes. I don't, I don't think that it was completely wrong. Okay? And, Have you seen and- it? Just They're like Cyclops, eyes. 
he does also not get the girl. So. Ah, uh, poor oh. Jordy. <laughs> he got this girl. Okay. Oh. Jordy LaForge was my number one crush. I made a lot of fan art and a lot oh. of fan fiction starring. Well, he he Jordy only LaForge. has eye for you. Um, <laughs> now, now, and and I guess to be clear, right? You haven't seen the movies, right? You've just watched the no. seven seasons, right? Yes, so and just... don't spoil them because I. Okay, so the watch order as it stands now is I finished the Next Generation and I'm going through the original series right now, and I am a couple episodes into the second season of original series. After I finish the original series, I'll do the original series movies and then the Next Generation movies. I have no idea why. I just let the internet guide me. They told me that I should do it in that order, so I shall do it in that order. And then I'll go on to DS9 and Voyager and all of that other good stuff. And, and I, that makes sense. Yeah. And I know this is probably like a five-hour answer, but I'm just going to go for the five-minute one. Um, I mean, what are your... What did you think of the next generation that you came to it with the okay, you know, something about Wesley, something about reading Rainbow Guys, and so seven seasons. I mean, did did you what what did you think? I mean, did you feel like it was dated? Did you feel you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What you, what were kind of your overall impressions about the TNG? Well, let me just say right off the bat that I loved it. It All right, um, you can I wouldn't <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have been able to to keep going if I hadn't loved it. I mean, even even when it is dated or even when it is ridiculous or cheesy or, you know, just over the top, it's still enjoyable most of the time. There are a handful of real stinkers. But, uh, I mean, most of the time, even the crazy episodes are fun. So I really enjoyed um, my time through. And then every once in a while, especially in the mid-seasons there, they would just really nail it and do the best that sci-fi has to offer you know, as a genre, and they would just, I mean, the cast and the writing and everything would just come together and, like, be brilliant. And then you know you'd have three more episodes of silliness. But, you know, for those moments... Can I follow Can I follow that up with one quick question? I know this is getting a little off topic, but I'm curious. Do you have a, a favorite and a least favorite, like what your worst episode was and what the best? Just out of curiosity. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have episodes I absolutely hated. Um... The Outrageous Akuna was one of them that I just had found no redeeming value whatsoever. And Billy Campbell's terrible hair was just oh, so bad. Hey, that um, was runner-up Riker. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say that I actually really, really enjoyed Riker, and I really enjoyed Jonathan Frakes' portrayal of Riker, so go away, Billy Campbell, and take your terrible hair with you. Um, and then was it... is. You're gonna have to help me with some of the uh, episode names. The that's our specialty. The child. The child. Is that, yes. Is that what? the one where Troy gets raped, but nobody <laughs> talks about the fact that she gets raped, and then yes. they discuss her terminating her baby in a conference room where she doesn't say a word? Yes. That one I yeah. that one I hate. That's the beginning <laughs> of season two. <laughs> that was terrible. I don't care if you're pro-choice or pro-life. At least let the woman say something. You don't get to sit around and discuss her decision for her. Anyways, no, we're not yeah. going down that road. That one was my least favorite of all time. All and right, then so Angel won, obviously, uh, oh, yeah. horrible. Yes. And uh, whatever the super racist one is. <laughs> a lot of them, but I think you mean Code of Honor. <laughs> yes, Code of Honor. That one was hard to watch. Um, and then Measure of a Man, best. Okay. 
Good choice. My favorite. And okay. then, um, what is it? Best of both worlds? Dun, 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 yeah. Bill, were you, were you uh, following me when I found out about the Borg? <laughs> I, I can't remember. Because that was the one where everybody was like, I mean, I suddenly got like, probably at least 50 tweets like, oh, it's coming. What is she going to do? How is she going to react? And then I was like, no. And I like cried and like, got really upset. Everybody was like eating popcorn and watching me fall apart. They should have recommended, now you have to wait three months before the next episode. That's what everybody says is they're like, oh, quit whining. At least you get to watch the next one right away. You don't have to wait a summer for the next one. Now, now you brought up a, a lot of interesting, you know, good and bad episodes, and so this kind of leads me to my second topic, um, and this and this is kind of what got me thinking about, you know, is TNG a children's show? Um, because you know, I think about watching it um, when I was, you know, first started watching it when I was nine and ten, which was in its live run by then. I can't remember if it was season three or season four by then. Um, and we you know, we just had our episode where we talked about the forty-seven things we like about Star Trek, and one of the things I listed is very true about TNG, about teaching about arts. Like, I, I think I heard my first, someone speak French for the first time on TNG when Data uh, was uh, went back in time. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I ended up, like, studying that in high school. Um, but, like, Shakespeare, um, listening to all the classical music, the violin, um, and, and all the different, you know, the flute and everything that people played. And then all the... the well, you know, historical oh, to spot. Yeah, you yeah, there heard. you go. But the historical <laughs> references... Um, so, I mean, to me, like, TNG taught me stuff and, and actually, like, forced me to go to the dictionary. Like, what did Q just say? What's flotsam mean? We'll pull out the dictionary. Oh, okay. You know, because I'm, like, nine. What do I know? Um, and, insult and... ever. I'm going to use that on the playground tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I get made fun of. <laughs> so, so I mean, to me, TNG actually, like, taught me stuff. And, and, and so, like, that's why I almost look at it as you would it, to call something a children's show. Now, it did not teach me, uh, like, Yard giving a lecture, but it was more like the other stuff. So, like, um, Daniel, I'll pick on you. Like, did you did you have that experience? Is that just me? Like, do you feel like, and I mean, you can talk about, like, morality or role models, whatever you want to talk about. Do you feel like you, there are things, like, you learn literally from watching Star Trek? I, I, I think I have Star Trek, specifically Star Trek Next Generation, but Star Trek in general as well, to, th- to thank for my love of, my deep love, my passion for both science and technology. Um, that's what I do. It's what I, it's what I do for my profession. It's, it's what I'm passionate about. It's what I read about. It's what I care about. And I think a lot of it was because of Star Trek. I, it's interesting to frame it in the context of, is it a children's show? Um, because it's trying to teach people things. Um, but, but ultimately I think it's, I guess you could pu- classify it that way, but I think it's, just more broad than that it's just more general audience than that it's 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 just lessons for people it's just anybody can take something out of this it's if you're young you're going to see something that that might resonate with you and if you're older you'll see something else you'll pick something else and uh, one of the things i think that tng did really well is the fact that it held on a little bit to the the tos idea of uh like uh you know, a variety of types of shows. It wasn't, it was, you know, you, we could go to a different planet each week and have a different kind of adventure. Uh, and so for me, it was, it was about mostly science and technology, but, but later on, like you, I, I did, there were things that I didn't know about 
you know, we were on the, the ready room about the um, emergence, right? And they were talking about the Orient Express. I don't think I'd ever even heard of the Orient Express before before that episode. And Picard and Beverly knew. And they gave you like 10 trivia questions. <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah, it definitely, definitely taught me a lot, a lot for sure. What about you, Darren? Did you, I mean, anything, small or little, that you, that like you can look back and think like, yeah, that was because of that episode. That's the only reason I know that. I think it, yeah, like like Daniel said, you know, I have a, a you know a big passion for you know science, technology, and and film. Uh, so I took a lot away from that from Next Gen, and I think you know it just it introduces so many concepts so well uh, from nanite you know micro technology to parallel universes. I mean, I think parallels is one of the best examples if you're trying to explain something like the multiverse theory or alternate dimensions i mean comic books have been doing that for generations but if you're trying to wrap someone's head around that say just sit watch this episode and you'll i think you'll get it so yeah in a it's enjoyable way and yeah and you'll actually like it because yeah, you know man, crazy Riker beard. And, who cannot like that yeah it's like i mean one reason why children are so susceptible to taking in ideas at that age is they don't they don't quite have the same critical thinking and that can be good or bad right you can can watch something and it just kind of seeps into you so it makes them it's one reason why parents have to be so careful about what their kids are watching um, because they will they will inhale it and they won't really think oh was that a good lesson or the bad lesson or should I learn more about that or whatever they they take it in very um, completely. Um, but I think it's interesting that this idea of children's show versus adult show because all of the best children's entertainment stuff can be enjoyed by adults anyway. I mean if you think of some of the and hey we have a parent on the mic um, if you think of some of the stuff that you have to watch with your kid there's a definite there are terrible, terrible things, and there are stuff that you can also enjoy. Uh, I was a nanny for years, and Phineas and Ferb uh, is a great show. It's not it, it, it's good for kids, but it is a straight-up good show for any age. And I think we kind of put ourselves into a box sometimes with who our entertainment is supposed to be aimed for. Like Daniel is saying, I think Star Trek in general, but Next Generation as well, it's just it's more broad than that. I mean, you can enjoy it on different levels depending on your age. And anything really well done should be in, be able to be enjoyed by any age. Yeah, because and then to that whole sort of you know that open sieve of a mind as when you're younger. I mean, like yes, I I, I will willfully admit it. I learned to drink Earl Grey by watching TNG. <laughs> I mean, I, that's, I will straight up admit to that. And, and I, and I definitely looked up to, I mean, I've said this before, but I've definitely looked up to, and probably still do Jean-Luc as a role model. And, and I think I, I imitate a lot of good things and bad things that he does as a personality, as a character. Um, and, and taken it with me as, as I've grown up. Um, and, and so, you know, Andy, so when, you know, you, you, you are, you know, even, even though, you, you know, you're, you're still young, but I mean, you're, you're, you're have an identity, you know, you're a little more concrete than we were when we were first started watching. I mean, do you, you know, you enjoying Star Trek and enjoying TNG, obviously, and, and, and we're certainly glad to hear it. Is there anything you take away from it? Anything you're, you're like, you know what? I still think about that character or I still think about that episode or I didn't know that. 
Yeah, I mean, some of it was more I was amazed that they managed to get this on TV when they got it on. A lot of their um, uh, gender episodes, uh, there's the one episode where uh, Riker falls in love with a non-gendered character. I couldn't believe that they got that on TV then. And this is... A-gender a, a people is still a concept that the vast majority of people can't wrap their mind around, and they put it on TV in, what, the early 90s and made it a very relatable subject, and I just think that's amazing. And the outcast, I think? Yeah, yeah. the outcast. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, you mentioned that you don't... I don't know how much you know about the background, but, but I know that... Uh, for a while, Jonathan Frakes was pushing for that character to be played by a male, yeah, and then and then still still do the kiss and stuff like that, which would have been obviously was obviously too con controversial yeah. for for the time, but but really, yeah, I mean it would have, and and this is one reason why I think Jonathan Frakes is more than just an actor. He's it clearly shows up in his directing. He understands themes and he understands storytelling mm -hmm. um, and having a male actor play that character would have brought that theme home so much more that gender is internal right it's not necessary biological um, and that was the whole point of that episode and I even tweeted while I was watching it I was like this this is great I can't believe that they managed to put this on it's a little shallow but it's a sci-fi TV show cool like I, I don't think I've ever seen an episode of TV that trans uh, that went after a trans issue quite that way and it was super interesting it's like I, sh I wish they had hired a male actor and I immediately got bombarded with people telling me that Jonathan Frakes was like give me a dude to kiss and I'm like good old Jonathan Frakes <laughs> that sounds like him. love that guy <laughs> he sits down awesome and he's just a great guy all around good character because I mean, and I've, this is something that is driving me nuts with the original series is the original series has a a fairly toxic view of masculinity that comes through quite often. Um, and every once in a while it goes over the top and I'm just like... Ugh, ugh, ugh. But Riker, Riker was a great example of a super masculine character that wasn't destructive. It didn't portray masculinity as a destructive force. He was very thoughtful and he was super manly, but you know he, he embodied what the good characteristics of masculinity can be. So I really like him as a character. Wow, we veered again. I'm sorry. No, 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 no that's, that's, good. that's great. We should I mean, have had really... you on our Riker episode. That would have been fantastic to talk right. about. But... I love Riker. I'll talk about him anytime you want. Are you a beard Wait, so or at no First beard? it was Geordie fan fiction. Now I'm sounding like there's some Riker fan fiction also. In oh, you, I, you weren't around when we watched the episode where there are two Rikers. <laughs> uh, and there was there was much fan fiction yeah. written on the spot for that one. Yeah, unfortunately, to turn Riker witch. I was like tweeting like Thomas Riker comes up later, and she's like, "Yeah, thanks for spoiling." I'm like, "Oh, sorry, but oh, he comes up later." <laughs> keep your mouth People shut. People get excited <laughs> that this is the problem with the spoilers is they know, but they get too excited and they have to let me know. Oh, this is gonna be great, and I'm like, shh. <laughs> That's the whole reason why you follow my Twitter, because I don't know what's coming. Right. Um, now, to, to go more directly, because we could probably talk about this the whole time, but to go more directly into the, the children aspect, and, you know, you mentioned, Andy, about Wesley. Um, 
for those of you at home who want to read a whole article about the children on the Enterprise D, <laughs> you can read about it by Philip Gilfus, Enterprise D, the, the Starfleet Brats of the Enterprise on Trek.fm. But anyway, um, but what I wanted to talk specifically was about some of the children characters because, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. And I don't know, I'm not don't want to speak for Daniel and Darren, but, you know, you can look at some of these children characters and be like, oh, they're stupid. Or, but, like, that was us when we were watching. Like, you know, we could say that now, but we were 9 or 10 or 11 or 12 while we were watching it. And so, you know, it's kind of easy. So, like, um, just to bring – I'm going to bring them all up, and you can talk about whoever you want. I know already – Daniel, who you want to talk about, starts with A, ends with Alexander. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about him. I don't want to talk about him. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, here's some of the kids. Uh, Wesley, of course. Jeremy Astor. Um, the, like some of the two, the two brothers in Brothers, the little ones, not the androids. Um, Alexander. Uh, when the Bow Breaks, that episode, when they steal all the children. Lol. Molly. You know, all, all oh, these Molly. kids are, are there. So I don't know any any kids character that jumps out, um, but but I'll I'll just do the easy one and, and just steal Wesley, um, that you know which was was to me almost an unfair children's role model because you know for one thing I wasn't watching season one by then but um but anyway even if I had it's like okay there's a kid just like me that's cool and then like a year later oh he's just another officer now well I mean you know he's not really a kid anymore you know it's not like mm. you get the kids perspective you just get the inappropriately young officers perspective. Get the age perspective, not necessarily <laughs> yeah. the, the So like when the bell breaks, even though that's an early episode, like season one or yeah, season one. Yeah, it's one. At least you get to see what the kids are doing, you know, like what you know, having to go, you know, complain to his dad about having to go to math class and stuff like that. But but I'll kinda open it up like what'd you think of the kids characters and and for those who were kids while watching it, did you feel like, hey, that was me or no, they're all annoying. Can we talk about Rascals? Is that like sure. I was going to bring that up? Yeah. Oh, I <laughs> yeah. love that episode. So good <laughs> because you so know, funny. In a in a way that lets us see kind of like what Picard would kind of be like as a kid. I mean, I know you know he would be. I think in a way we do see a lot of Picard, not just in Rascals, but also from his nephew Rene. I think his nephew yeah, Rene really seems very a lot similar like when they were young. <laughs> uh, you know, oh yeah, the hair and all that stuff. But no, I think. Uh, in Rascals, especially Guinan. I mean, Guinan's a young at heart from the get-go. I mean, she's probably in her teens as far as her her uh, species is considered. Who would know? But uh, no, I think, um, yeah, her interaction with Ro, I mean, Ro is pretty much acting exactly like you would expect her to as a child. Um, but yeah, that episode specifically, I mean, you get all the kids getting to do stuff. And, you know, Alexander gets to do his oversized remote control car. I'm, I'm still going to say it again. I really was disappointed. Remote control car technology had not advanced <laughs> by the 24th century. But uh, anyway. Well, that, that episode is such a perfect example because unlike a, a lot of these other examples we've been bringing up, like Jeremy Astor, who, who is suddenly found himself an orphan. And this is like serious, really heavy, crazy stuff. And as a kid, you don't want to think about that. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, uh, Lol dies if you're, t- you're going to count her as a kid character. Like, it's kind of terrible stuff. But Rascals, the theme of that episode is the joy of being a child. Like, like recapturing that, that wonder. And, and it's, you know, that's why it's such a fun episode. We've talked at length about, uh, about Rascals before. I'm glad you mentioned it, Darren. And, um, I, I, and Philip, to get to your point about Wesley, I was... Uh, I wasn't disappointed that he became like an officer. I was 
as a kid, I was like, man, I want to be an, a, a young officer on the bridge of the Enterprise. Like, I wish I could be that character. Uh, and I wish... So that didn't bother me. In fact, that excited me. I liked when he got into a real uniform and then when he went to the Academy and I'm like, oh man, I could totally do that. I could be in the Academy. This is great. Uh, any of the rest of the characters are, are, are pretty much missed for me. But, but I could Wesley... totally become an energy light being. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's too bad that Wesley is such a kind of universally hated character um, because he had real potential um, to kind of draw kids into what they could aspire to do in the world. But I think part of the problem is they made him so overwhelmingly smart. Um, they didn't write I mean, him well. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's plenty of character uh, writing that they messed up on, but the basic thing that I think that is unrelatable is that he's so over-the-top smart. I mean, he outsmarts Geordi sometimes. And I mean, what kid? Yeah, and what kid is gonna relate to that unless they're, unless they're you know super max level genius? I mean, it would have been kind of nice if he could have been a little more normal, a little more relatable. Um, and I think they tried to balance his incredible smarts with like awkward social behavior, and it didn't quite work. I mean, I really love Wesley as a character. I always thought he was super adorable. And look, oh, he's wearing even more terrible sweater. And oh, he can't talk to <laughs> girls. And oh, no, Wesley's about to get killed on an orgy planet. Like, all these sorts of stuff. Um, I, I enjoyed it, but I also wasn't a kid. And um, he didn't annoy me because I thought he was acting like most kids do when they're put in situations that are overwhelming to them, which is bratty. And I, I have to say, in defense, in in Christopher in Chris Jones' place, I have to say, oh lordy, uh, if your first kiss is with Ashley Judd, you are not very awkward. You're doing something right. Now that was his sure. second kiss. His first was oh, with you're the right. Dolphin. His first kiss was with Chewbacca or whatever. whatever <laughs> <laughs> the, oh, the, the dolphin. The dolphin, yeah. <laughs> the dolphin. It's not pronounced like dolphin, but it basically is dolphin. Uh, that was yeah, exactly what is. No, he did well. not. He did oh, not have yeah, a girlfriend down in Citation Ops. Oh, that's why. See, Philip would know. It's French. Yeah, yeah it's it means princess, know. doesn't it? Joan of Arc. Then why uh, didn't they just call it princess? Because, because that's not mysterious. Because oh, okay. somebody had a thesaurus, Darren. Somebody <laughs> they had didn't a thesaurus. Want, they didn't want people to know it was a terrible, terrible episode. Oh. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, like evolution. You know that episode. If I'm if I remember it correctly. You know that's sort of where. Beverly decides to uh, locate her mothering and is like, you know what? Look, yes, Wesley, you're super smart, but that's not what being a kid is. You need to get in trouble. Oh, you almost destroyed the ship. Okay, I guess that counts. I don't know. Um, but anyway. What mothers do you know that let their kids get in trouble? Go skin a knee. It's like, what, skin a knee? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe maybe that's why. I, I, I would imagine that... I, a lot of people share this opinion that his best episode is First Duty, right? And this is where he's shown to be just a normal kid making stupid mistakes. Who school. kills like, a man? You know, <laughs> well, normal kid stuff in college. Who does kill a man, technically? Well, well he doesn't. Do I it. would Tom say Paris he does. doesn't kill him. He just participates in a dangerous situation that gets and cover up. Killed. And that an accessory to felony murder. Completely different. <laughs> Which what? he he pays. He pays the full and appropriate price of being set back one year in the academy for it. I don't understand. <laughs> That's what happens when you kill a man. You have to do schoolwork. 
<laughs> Sorry, but I think that kid had some major responsibility in his own death. He made his own choices, too. Yeah, anyone who follows Tom Paris, you're just asking. For... Shh! Spoilers! Oh, okay. Spoilers! Sorry. Oh, goodness. But I do feel that Wesley also was really well portrayed in the game. I mean, that's basically a Wesley episode where he's given a lot. I mean, he yes, he saves the day, but he saves the day in a in an actual convincing way of, okay, everyone else has been incapacitated. It's not just like, you know, well, let's let Wesley, you know, think up the solution this time. It's like, no, it makes sense. And he's, you know, working with other people and he has to, you know, that would be super scary. You're on a starship out in the middle of nowhere and all the adults, everyone else is like, going crazy there's no help and you got to figure this out yeah he saves the day by saving data that makes a lot of sense well (laughs) i would that would be my job save data he'll totally fix this problem data is like the cheerleader of heroes save the data save (laughs) save the world (laughs) (laughs) well Um, leslie certainly comes off better than Riker in that episode because Riker apparently practices very terrible screening processes on his (laughs) potential girlfriends and uh manages to bring big security risks to the ship because of his sexing yeah i mean usually the way he's the way he screens a new girlfriend is he goes to ten forward, throws her in front of Troy, and's like, <laughs> "I got another one, Deanna." That's usually how he plays does it. his trombone sexily. We, we we are not the first ones to suggest that the game might be a metaphor for Riker's uh, possible STD spreading onto oh, the gosh. Enterprise. That yeah. is a great it's a metaphor. I love that. I love that because that's exactly what happens. He hooks up with some strange, and, and then no he just spreads it. Yeah. No apology. Yes, Even da- to all the children. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, da- it's really Daniel, terrible. I think Daniel's favorite line is when he, what is it, Beverly? He's like, you'll never believe what I picked up from. <laughs> Beverly's like, we know. We know what you picked up from that planet. I totally believe I don't want to believe it. I don't want to know about it. Don't tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. And and I, this, I just feel like going from SCGs back to children. Um, yeah, and so, but, but. And I'm trying to think, and Andy, if this is a spoiler, you just have to do a, a Dr. Pulaski memory wipe. But, like, you know, TNG is the only show ostensibly with children. Now, there are children that show up, as you've probably seen on TOS, and there are children who show up in the other series. But the Super Enterprise. creepy children, usually. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, but the Enterprise D, I mean, that's like when they were, you know, making, and you may know this, but when they were making TNG, like, we're going to have families on board. You know, that's going to be a difference. And then they didn't really necessarily continue with that afterwards. And so, for those of us who watched it, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know who watched DS9 as a kid or Voyager as a kid or Enterprise as a kid, and that's how they came to Trek, but I'm sure they're out there. Um, but like TNG, I mean, there were kids on the ship. Even if they weren't in the episode, they were always in the background, or you heard about families, and, and there's even episodes. Are they going to jump that. the bridge because everything's gone to hell? Yeah. And they need to save all the families. Right, and drop teddy bears. Uh, never mind. Um, but um, but yeah, and so <laughs> in some ways, I don't know if that's more com- comforting. Like even if it's like a subtle thing, as a kid you're watching, like, oh, there's kids. Cool. You know, versus you know, maybe the other shows where, I don't know. At least you know someone your age is around. Yeah, and again, not to, you know, not to get too deep into it, but I, I feel like even though it's never presented that way, D, D, D Space Nine is 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 kind of the same 
in a lot of ways because anybody can go there, right? That, that was the, you know, it's not like they live there, but anybody can go there. So I imagine that there are, like, they have episodes about, you know, classrooms. So there are a handful of kids. No, that's true. Yeah. I, it, I think DS9 presented children in a different way because of the yeah, character certainly. of Jake, Jake Sisko. Jake you know, and Nog, yeah. He, he was way more, I mean, he was younger, you know, than, than Wesley just to start, but because he was so much in the forefront, it, you could, you definitely could tell they were tell, trying to tell good stories with him. Um, and uh, real quick, I just want to mention just to just to knock this check mark off of our list here, um, Naomi Wildman in in Voyager to the journey. To the, to the journey. journey. Okay, I just had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Am I understanding that Daniel does not like Baby Wharf? No, oh, you mean Alexander? Baby Wharf. Probably no, no, the worst no, no, no. His name's not Alexander. His name is Baby Wharf. Baby Wharf. That's true. It's, wait, wait. Let me. Okay. Do you like Alexander? Uh, he kind of goes back and forth for me. I wait, like. When is he ever fourth? Give me one <laughs> example of a fourth there may time, be a time he ever has. So cute. He's so no. little. No. What I like about Alexander is what he brings out in Worf and the storylines that Worf mm. gets. To terrible parenting. <laughs> yeah, his ter- terrible parenting amuses me. Oh, uh, but then, like, funny. seriously, uh, Worf being so unequipped to parent a small, traumatized child actually brought up a lot of interesting things for his character. Just like he has no idea what he's doing, and he's learning on the fly. And he has to change his perspective on so many things. Where's that? What's that episode where he like gets um ethics? No. no <laughs> oh, okay. Ethics. The one where he gets paralyzed. Yes, yeah, that ethics. one. And then Boom. When, the first thing I'm saying is it's not your choice anymore. War. If you're a dad, guess what? Your life is secondary now to what is best for your kid. And it took him the whole episode to go. Oh, maybe I should stay alive for my kid. And, and not make was, him an orphan. It was Another Riker. great Riker scene. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Riker nails that scene. Whew! So good. Okay, you say it brings up a lot of interesting things for Worf, but we really have to ask ourselves: Was it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> but he's so little, and he wears the little the spandex, and he's a tiny Klingon with a terrible haircut. <laughs> How takes, can you not dig that? He takes mud baths with Loxana. Come on. <laughs> Adult Waxana. Super awkward mud bath, man. Who by by all accounts is probably not wearing any clothes under the mud. It's really weird. Yeah, but to be fair, Waxana is not usually wearing clothes. So, I mean, that's kind of just par for the course. And are you going to get those flowy silk things into the mud? No, no. No, that's just silly. (laughs) And there may be a time when Deputy Alexander is needed again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we he all know they the never access that uniform, hologram again. And he has a little sheriff's badge. Come on, man. Come on. Oh, God. Uh, I... That's when, as a parent, you're like, I'm sorry, Alexander. I accidentally deleted that program. We can never go back to the town of Westwood. <laughs> That's all right, father. father. I'll go talk to Lieutenant Barkley. Oh, no, 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 no. That's actually one of the best episodes for Troy. They gave her something interesting to do and for pants. once. See, that's and pants. And a good Give her pants, and she does great. Yeah, as long as she's not falling in love with a sketchy guy, I call yes. it a good Troy episode. That's right. It's all about sketchy guys. Oh, goodness. Okay, well, 
we kind of talked about this a little bit, but to kind of bring it back. So I'm um, like, so Daniel, and I don't, I always know I always play the morality angle, but I don't want to necessarily do that. But that's at least one of the things I want to talk about. But like just science, ethics, comedy, whatever, that when you watched it originally, now that you're older, are you all like, I kind of got that, but now I really get that? Or, or did you feel like, no, I kind of, I got it. I just understand a little bit better these days. No, uh, I, I very distinctly remember watching season one. And I told this story, I think probably in the first episode of, of our podcast, but I, we had like the first two thirds of, of season one on VHS tape. And for some reason we stopped ordering them. My father stopped ordering them or whatever. And I watched those episodes as a kid in the summer when they weren't showing repeats all the time. I watched those episodes over and over and over again. And like, I remember watching, um, you guys are going to have to help me here because it's a Q episode. Is it hide and Q? The <laughs> yes. first season Q episode, hide and the, Q. The crappy one. Like I watched hide and Q over and over. Like I probably watched that episode 50 times as a kid. And, um, I remember like, I mean, I got it. I understood what the point was trying to make. Like you can't have these godlike powers, Riker. You're going to turn Wesley into an Abercrombie model. Like you can't, <laughs> this is silly. You, you can't do this. Uh, you know, and, uh, but of course it makes it, there's so much more to it. It's so much deeper than that. And it shows there's so many more layers to it now that I understand. But as you were, you know, explaining it, there is a lot there right at the surface level, even for young people. There's like a, there is, especially in TNG, of course, like we've talked about many times, we, we get, it's, it's very morality heavy. It's very like, Hey, you should learn this lesson and and there's something important you can take away from this episode and uh yeah so i i picked it up early on but it definitely has has you know it's grown and shown me more as i've gotten older so darren it's kind of same same question yeah i would say one of the episodes that really clicked with me uh I guess kind of, yeah, at a young age, but you, where I definitely kind of realized that this was kind of talking about some serious stuff was uh, the drumhead. And when they're talking about, you know, and Picard's giving his speech and he's like, do we condemn this man because he, he, his ancestry shares a link with a current enemy and he just so hits the nail on the head. And it's just, I mean, that situation happens so much in life that we, blame people or or things for their past or their 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 race or their history and you know that's you know that's that quiet moment when you're just kind of absorbing that and, it's just, and you can tell this is teaching me something that's important you know that is something I should emulate and I should pay attention to but uh you know but I that's the one of the things I I loved about Nexion is you you had those moments but then they also gave you just good doses of fun i mean if it was picard giving a speech i mean i love picard's speeches but if it was picard giving a speech like every episode i think i it would just it would be too much you know you need you know him impersonating a doctor every once in a while moving in sentence to sentence and one unbroken talking you know but uh, I I really I really like that moment. That that was one that definitely resonated with me. Yeah, and I have to say I don't know. I'm in my what fourth rewatch in my lifetime or something. I've lost PNG. count. <laughs> but I, I mean, and I feel like this rewatch, I've definitely seen things differently. 
um, and appreciated it more, which I know I've talked about before. Like, I, you know, this rewatch made me a season one, season two apologist. I was not before, but now I'm like, no, there is good stuff there, and and you know, you don't make don't don't let yourself miss it. Um, but it, you know, that's maybe I'll rewatch it again and be like, no, it's crap. I changed my mind. Um, you know, so, uh, but I don't, and, and I guess not to put it on too high of a silver platter, you know, that's the timelessness of a good Star Trek story, whether it's TNG or any other series that they, this, you know, the drumhead. I don't even know what year that would have been like, I'll just say like 90 or 91. Right. But that is like something like that, a great post nine eleven episode. Right. You know, the, but that was not what they had in mind when they wrote it. That was not necessarily what they were thinking, you know. But then we can watch it twenty years later and be like, we know what that we know what they're talking about there, you know. And so I think that's that is sort of the the, the great things, you know, Andy. What you were saying about this being a great sci-fi series, obviously, because we do a podcast about it. Um, you know, that's that's a good episode that that can be timeless. But um, well, that's the strength of sci-fi as a genre. Really, is it? It's it puts it puts you in um a not real place so you can strip all of that away, strip the reality and I'm doing air quotes, strip the reality away and get to the actual truth of humanity, right? And having episodes like Measure of a Man where you get to what defines a person, right? You can't do that story without a robot right, or an android um, but you can get to the truth of how problematic it is when you start deciding whose life is worth something and what it's worth to the society and all this stuff. Like, uh, I and I watch this as an adult, and I am a. You probably can tell I'm a social justice nerd, um, so I saw it through a lot of that lens, which is probably why I like Measure of a Man so much, because there is a scene where Picard and Guinan are sitting there and. It's so beautifully done with both of them. Um, the acting is incredible where basically you get to the end of the conversation and realize they've been talking about slavery the whole time. That kind of stuff, I don't know if you could get the nuances of the kid, but you can get the idea. You can get the idea that, hey, maybe treating someone as less than human is wrong. And uh, that's, that's a kind of basic morality that I think kids can get very easily. It's, we have to teach them to not hold that morality, actually. <clears throat> yeah, and in, in a lot of ways, Next Generation is a product of its time because the the, the three of us, um, and, and I mean you too, Andy, but the three of us grew up, I mean, like, if, if you were, you know, a late generation Xer, a very, very late generation Xer, or a very, very early, you know, Y or millennial or whatever we're supposed to call them, um, Basically, you grew up with, like, diversity, and that was, like, the big thing. Like, that's what we first started with us, you know, growing up. Like, you know, everyone and you know, special, everyone has something to offer, blah, blah, blah. And you get that from TNG about, like you said, the, these episodes, which, of course, are timeless concepts in the broad spectrum of things. But, but you know, as a kid, you're like, oh, okay. And then that, like, that's your default. Like, well, how else would you think about that? Obviously, you should always, you know, look at life in all of its forms and respect life on all of its forms and seek it out. You know, how, of course, how else would you do it, you know, when you're watching this as a kid? And, but, you know, if someone who's maybe like 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 watching it and they're like, huh, you know, I, I, you know, it's, it's, is it more thought provoking if you're exposed to it later or versus just like you just accept it as a kid? Like, oh, OK, makes sense to me. 
Well, this is why I think diversity in children's programming especially is so important and why I'm a big fan of any children's programming that shows non-white, non-male characters because that was the default for however many years that we've been making art right, and pop culture. The default is has always been white men and you have to teach other other types of people that they are also can be heroic, right? I mean, Whoopi Goldberg talks all the time about how Uhura was such a, a huge deal for her seeing a black woman on television that wasn't a maid. Like, that didn't happen. Um, and we're definitely getting to that more and more. I mean, we've got Dora the Explorer, and we've got Avatar the Last Airbender. I mean, you have a, a, a cartoon series where all of your characters are Asian. That is awesome. And that helps kids, like, learn these lessons without us shoving it down their throat, you know, and, like, the, the more you know kind of way. It just makes it more accepted. Once you see it on your TV over and over again, it just makes your brain more willing to accept diversity. So that's why I think it's really important. You know, to get, just to, to reference that scene again in Measure of a Man, um, what I think was mind-blowing as a kid watching that scene was, you're right there, Guinan and Picard are sitting there and they're talking and they're like, oh, you know, there, there are some creatures that, uh, that some beings would take advantage of and, and they would exploit them and, and blah, 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 blah. And, and, and as a kid, maybe you're not connecting those dots. Maybe you don't see what she's talking about until the very end when she, when Picard's like, oh, you're talking about slavery. And then as a kid, I think that's a really impactful moment in a different way than it is when you're an adult. When you're an adult, you can kind of see, and maybe this is in hindsight because I had already learned the lesson, but in, a, in as an adult, you're like, okay, I see where they're going. But it's, it also lays out just kind of the foundation for this argument of, heck, hey, you know, we should not enslave an entire race of beings. This doesn't make any sense. And you can, and you can see it from the beginning to the end where, you know, like I said, as you're a kid, you only get that at the end. And it's, it's, I think it's a brilliant scene, like you do, and you get these different perspectives if, if, you're, if you've seen it that way or not before. And maybe that's kind of what Philip is tapping into here is that from different lenses, you're, you're going to get different aspects of the same message. Well, and I think that's probably my favorite scene of Star Trek ever that I have seen thus far. And part of the reason is it's kind of meta. Um, I mean, you have a black woman, which black women on TV are still pretty rare, especially in important roles. And then you have a white man who ne who didn't even see where they were going. Like that moment where Picard realizes that he has never been in this position, right, as a powerful white man to even think about this happening to him. And she's just so gentle with it. And then that moment where he's like, I have missed this. There's layers there to our own society, not just theirs. And I I remember pausing it after that scene and just going, woo, that was amazing. I think I watched it again right away, actually, because um, there are just, there's reality layers. There are late 80s, early 90s layers to that of um, having this, this these two particular actors do this scene. And it's such, it's so lovely, too, because we talked about this on our whoopee episode or not our whoopee our guy episode like she is always the wisest person in the room 
And when you're in the room with Patrick Stewart, of all people, like it, it, it's it's amazing that she can still project this like that she she gets it. She gets it way more than Picard does all the time. She's the one that's always telling him, hey, this is how it should be. This is how it is. Hey, pay attention. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to I'm going to learn you a thing or two. Right. <laughs> right? Leave it. The part about cool. it, though, is she leads them there. And this yeah, is not exactly. just Picard. She it's shows them, not tells Roy. them. This is Crusher. This is Rolaren. Anytime she has these interactions with these people, she lets, she just pushes them in one direction or another until they come to the lesson themselves. And it's so subtle and beautiful, and I love it. And that is the most pure form of it that I think I've ever seen on the show. And it's one of the reasons why that scene is my, my absolute favorite. And and Andy, that will be the best uh, scene in Star Trek because there's no, there's no series that are better than Next Generation, so you don't you don't have to worry about it. Um, well, I don't know. I, I I'm really excited for Voyager, and then every time I tell people I'm excited for Voyager, they either get really happy for me or they go, Oh no! Uh, don't We're listen to the naysayers. Um, yeah, just I'm skip Deep Space Nine and go to Voyager. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh. I'm hey, not, I met Kate Mulgrew. Uh-huh. I met her. I went to the Star Trek convention in Chicago. And I was just like, yay! I was so excited to see her, and I haven't even seen Voyager yet. And she um, did, she just, she did this amazing panel, William Shatner, there too, right? And she just held her own against him, which he is a charming dude, and he dominates a room. Nope, she wasn't having none of that. She took, she took her due too, and the, the two of them playing off each other and talking about... I mean, she. They spent probably twenty minutes talking about gender, and I was like, "What is happening to me? <laughs> this is like my dream." It was amazing. And then afterwards, I got to meet them both, and uh, William Shatner hit on me. So, well, the man Ooh. does know how to rip a shirt. Um, all right, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's bring it to a close, and just uh, I'll do the open-ended question to everyone: Is TNG a children's show? Uh, Darren. I would say yes, in in the ways we've stated where in the best of sci-fi, it's something that is on multiple levels. And even if you don't get everything as a kid, there is stuff that you will, you will absorb and you will, and, and because you'll love it so much, you'll want to come back and rewatch it when you're older and you'll get it again on a, on another level. So I'd say that, uh, you know, like, like it was stated, uh, like Andy said, the the best the best children's program is one that you can enjoy as an adult because it's it's not pulling the punches. It's it's you know it's saying it simply and clearly and good. And Star Trek, you know, Next Generation does that very very well. Daniel, only for the reason of completely disagreeing with Darren. No, I'm, not, I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, I'm going to say no. It is not a children's show. It is a show. I think a children's show is is a it's a category that limits something, and I I don't I don't think TNG fits in that category. I think it's for everyone. I think sounds cheesy, but it sounds very TNG, doesn't it? It's a it's a show for everyone. You I think it in a British accent, maybe. Yeah, I know. Uh, you mean a French, French accent? accent? Is <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's it's I think it's a show for the young and the old, uh, male and the female, black, white, whatever. It's a show about people it's a show for people and anybody can take something out of it and no i i I would not classify it as a children's show i would just say it's good science fiction and and that's enough for me all right and andy i would say that it is an adult show that children 
it is appropriate for children to watch and children can get something out of it, but it is primarily a show for adults. And and I will of course answer last. Um I mean I have to say yes only because of being a personal experience that like having watched it since I was nine and watched it ever since to now 33 um, and appreciated it and like just like a sponge, which I mean, I think everyone has their own fandom degrees of fandom. And to me, TNG is it. It's just on a whole pedestal of everything else, which I know may not be everyone's experience. So that for me, it has to be yes or else, you know, I would just like explode as a person. Um, and, and I just want to be the person I am today. I mean, that's just the fine point of it. But I think one thing we've talked about is that, I think TNG, to the degree they had awareness, and I, and I think they did, um, that children were watching, they never, you know, played to children per se, you know, where, like, uh, we made fun of sort of the, the, the R uh, drug speech from Symbiosis in the beginning. Like, that was the only time where it was like you felt, oh, okay, what are they doing here? But um, no, no time did they talk down to you, because that's Star Trek, that's, and I would say 90% of the time they get this right, they don't talk down to you in Star Trek, they just talk at you. And it's up to you whether you get it or not. And I think that's probably, as we said, what makes the best show for someone of any age. So um, asking about whether TNG is a children's show or not is not the only thing that we've been talking about here on Trek.fm. Uh, here's a look at some of the other shows and what they're talking about here on Trek.fm this week and what you may have missed. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Everything that we do has to exist inside of this little box this and, window yeah if you will right and you can you can do whatever you want inside there but once you step outside you know it's the real world earl gray that's you know what i mean and then star trek 5 is all about crapping all over the rest of the movies that just <laughs> axonar the official podcast when you're in the edit bay as soon as you put one image next to another it's this instant gratification. It's this great creative jolt, which happens every time you start juxtaposing your images. And when you start seeing things fall into place, it's it's really galvanizing and it's really thrilling, actually. And I love feeding off that kind of, of energy. The Ready Room. Well, you know, time is not really linear, Char. So the monkey, he's always been there and he always will be. <laughs> I take the Janeway stance on time travel. It gives me a headache. The orb. Batman also creates a contingency plan for all the other superheroes just in case something goes wrong with them. So, it So what does he do for the Wonder Twins, for example? Like how is he going to take them out if Um, I think he just separates them eternally so they okay. can't smack their hands together. To the journey. We have like a whole bunch of geek aliens like they're wearing their own superhero t-shirts. They're eating <laughs> hot pockets. They have headphones oh on and they're all in their own little, you know, 24th century room. But they're like, dude, dude, I totally just pwned the Voyager. Commentary, Trek stars. And underlines the goal of Prexy Gail Berman to re-energize the pipeline while revitalizing the PAR brand with top tier talents such as Abrams. I love trades. You have They're no idea so... what you're saying at this point. Warp 5. He can put her mind at ease about these kinds of things because he can just, you know, you know how Trip is. Like, let's, you know, let's have some catfish and, like, just hang out. You know <laughs> I was just thinking that. Continuing mission. We actually spoke with uh, CBS legal team, and uh, that was one of the things that we 
that we had told them. So we, all of our visuals were all original scenes. All of our animation was going to be original. All of our music would be original. So we would not be stealing any content from the original era. Mm -hmm. and, and they liked that a lot. Literary Treks. And I just love that because it is very true. You know, Picard in some ways kind of has that Yodaness about him where he will kind of speak in a riddle and he wants you to figure it out. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows podcast directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. If you would like to contact us to share your thoughts on today's show, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose send a show and select Earl Grey. These messages will be emailed to the three of us. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page on trek.fm to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. The conversation is always going on with our podcast crew and other listeners in our forums at trek.fm slash forums. And finally, in social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. You can also leave a rating on our iTunes page in order to help other listeners find our show. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helps bring us Earl Grey to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks, with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books, like Imzadi, Federation, and Q-Squared, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and trek.fm. Uh, these iTunes reviews and Stitcher reviews are very important to us, not only because Daniel, Darren, and I love to hear how we're doing or not doing, as the case may be, but also because it impacts how the show and other Trek FM shows places in iTunes and on Stitchers. And reviews such like this and ratings uh, make it easier for other folks to find this great show um, and share it. So we know it takes a lot of time for you to leave these reviews, and we are very appreciative um, that you do it. So as an added incentive... Um, that if, you, uh, if you're a listener who hasn't left a review, you please do. And if you do, we can get a, you can have a chance at some great prizes as part of this month-long promotion we're doing here on Trek.fm. So if you leave a review um, and, and let us know about it, you get a chance at some great prizes that include a season of Star Trek, your choice on either Blu-ray or DVD, an official Starships collection from Japan, complete with a Japanese magazine. Um, so if you don't do... Read Japanese. It's a nice collectible, anyway. A Star Trek novels or a full or a full collection of our alien art badges. Winners will be drawn at random from all the entries we receive before midnight Pacific time on July 31st. So you still have a few days here. All you need to do is to enter is to leave us a rating and review on either iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, you can only leave one review per show, of course, here on Earl Grey, but you can review our other great shows to include our master feed, um, and you'll receive one entry per drawing. 
And uh, that all you have to do is just, like I said, leave a review, number one. And your second part is just go to trek.fm slash review and complete that form. That'll let us know you've, you've done that review and we can match it up and all that great stuff and, and put your entry in and hopefully you can win a great prize. So we look forward to hearing from you and thank you for your support. And lastly, there's one more way you can directly help us keep Earl Grey coming to you each week, and that is by adopting some aliens. Well, illustrations anyway. If you go to trek.fm slash donate, you'll find eight original alien illustrations by Toba Ushi, who does most of the artwork you see on our website. They're available as both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels for you to choose from. Just let us know which you would like in which format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate, and your support helps us pay for the cost of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each and every week. All right, uh, Darren, if folks want to talk to you about how they too can raise a Star Trek child, where can they find you on the internet? They can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi, that's D-R-S-C-I-F-I, they can see about you know raising someone to enjoy both Star Trek and Stormtroopers. And Daniel, if mamas don't want their boys to grow up to be Alexander Cowboys, how can they find you on the internet? Uh, if you're going to uh, talk to me about Alexander, um, I'm not on the internet, so that's okay. Uh, no, but no, seriously, you can you can if you want to talk about Alexander, you can. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at One Up Dan, and that is the number one, not the word. And Andy, if folks want to share your continuing voyage into Trekdom, where can they find you on the internet? Twitter is the best spot. Um, at First Time Trek. And I've got a nice, sexy picture of Kirk as my avatar right now. That's right. And I'm not Riker. Well, as, not as, Riker, because I'm not watching TNG oh, that's right, right now. That's right. That makes sense. Okay. Well, as, as I'm sure She's Mike. She's thought this through. As I'm sure Mike from Standard Orbit would say, every picture of Kirk is sexy. Um, and for those who want to find me on the internet, they can also find me on Twitter. That's NC Public Servant, NC like North Carolina. All right, I'm gonna about to go uh, relive my childhood by watching the episode. Um, well, well, any of them really. I guess all of them actually. Um, so thanks for listening, and we look forward to talking to you next week here on Earl Grey. Engage, live long and prosper. Make it so. Beards, sweaters. Laser eyes. Fire. 